Hello. Hades Bottom. Mm hmm. Well, we did say that we would do a, a pre election and a post election special. And my goodness, this was a special election. Nick, I lost my national, I lost my general erection. I think you did. And I don't think any little, uh, the, despite the huge blue pill that's doing the rounds, <laughs> it's not going to give it back to you. Oh. Did you stay up all night or did you go to bed? I eventually, when I realised the inevitability of what you was reali- happening. You announced you'd realise it and un- really annoyingly got it right by sheer blind luck. Announced the inevitability at 10.05. It wasn't sheer blind luck. The, the problem is, if you actually look at pretty much every exit poll since 1992, they've been astonishingly correct. And there was this but graph that so they posted. Is, why was every other poll wrong? Because people don't like to admit to voting Tory. And also, I think because pollsters have become increasingly lazy, they're using social media, they're using electronic means, they're using mobile technology to get their poll answers and a lot of disgruntled, technophobic wankers aren't aren't being heard. And let's be honest, your average disgruntled, technophobic wanker will vote for which party? I think it's as simple as that. I think they've got the lazy. pirate party. Exactly. I remember in 1992, there was a spitting image sketch. Yes. Which uh, featured um, a man, a puppet man emerging from a polling station covered from head to toe in blue rosettes and a big blue hat and blue coat, blue <coughs> clothes, mm. waving Tory, waving blue conservative flags. Mm. And the poll says, excuse me, sir, can you tell me who you voted for? Labour? <laughs> yes, I remember that. And I, I actually remember I, that. I can't scare. find it on YouTube annoyingly, but it, yes, the polling does remind me of that. Not yeah. the exit poll, of course, but the polling. Yeah, no, but I, I was saying to people all along, and I said it yesterday to a colleague at the office before I left, I said, Whatever you, whatever the polls are saying, I actually said these exactly. I said whatever the polls are saying, think a year from now and think Prime Minister Miliband has just entered the UN to begin negotiations. Does that sound plausible? And everybody said, actually, no, not at all. I said that's but why. He's, I said that's why he's going to lose. It's as simple as that. Mid, he was mid metamorphosis though, because don't forget, even the Labour Party thought that he wasn't going to be able to campaign, and then yeah. he did actually a good job. He seemed like a sincere man. By the end of it, I don't maybe think that's why he didn't get through because he seemed like a human. I don't think that there was anything intrinsically wrong with Ed Miliband. No, well, I think he. I think he was a mean, bit. What do you mean by intrinsically? Well, I, def, I mean I don't believe that his soul was cursed by the devil, as uh, say David Cameron's is. Um, uh-huh. But I mean, I, 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 I thought he was a lot thicker than people suggested. I thought he was a lot more cowardly than people suggested, but. I don't believe that there were... I, I wouldn't have minded having him shambling, shambling along for a while being Prime Minister. But as I said, in in a very kind of... Think of us as a troop of monkeys sense. He's not going to be the one who's going to lead our troop. It's just not going to happen with us, bunch of apes. And it was from the day he was elected, that was the case. He's, he's, he was not going to be a leader of this country. And that's the end of it. It's worth noting that you haven't... You are entirely retconning everything you said on the podcast last week unfortunately the key moment you doesn't wasn't recorded so i had to i don't know if you listened back but i summarized your point in a little post postscript mm. edit at the end of the episode no um so i don't actually don't actually have your your voice on record <laughs> i said I, I thought i thought that he would i thought that the tories would do better than everybody said and i thought labor would do worse than everybody said i didn't predict a tory uh, overall majority or anything that close to it i'll be honest but um i but guess you did, I, I you did claim that you had in texts to me last night in, in the in your fit n- of no pink. not an overall majority i just I, I i predicted that cameron would have enough to work with well we both said that we both said that he would have enough i said that they would get caught in legal wranglings that would draw it out for a painful amount of time of course my prediction that they would then just have another election was wrong because i hadn't done enough research into this fi- this fixed term crap uh, this fixed term crap was one of the most dangerous and nasty things it's that the Liberal Democrats agreed to just to keep them in power for as long as they could. And, and it was that it was the, it, that was the, one of the most selfish things that's ever been done by any party, actually. Andrew uh, Marr last night or at some point this morning referred to Clegg's forming a coalition as his patriotic decision. How dare he? I'm not <laughs> meaning that hyperbolically. 
I know. I, 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 exactly. Well, first of all, not particularly uh, balanced. No. Reporting. But more no. than that. <laughs> what? Oh, sorry. This is Rum Doings, episode 189. Yes. And, uh, podcast at com at Rum Doings. The topic today is, could it be time to label the fad of wearing a suit without a tie depraved? <laughs> Anyway, so yes, you were, you were saying he. But was, then, of course, Andrew Marr also took out a super injunction to attempt to disguise his his, his bastard child through infidelity. So yes, say say uh, and other uh, lovies who were going on about uh, how we should all be lovely and liberal or socialists, like for example, David Schneider did the same thing: super injunctions to stop people knowing that he used to enjoy playing naughty games with a lady and whips. Uh, that's true. Hmm. Anyway, so. Yeah, yeah. You, I derive, I derive some comfort from the fact that the Liberal Democrats have been destroyed because it that, shows that, that. Yes, it's but, like uh, the booby prize. And I don't, and I don't derive comfort from that merely as Schadenfreude, although that's part of it. But part of it is also, yeah. if you. So, Sorry about the creaking, by the way. I apologise for my creaking. I hope, I hope it will make politicians pause when they break promises so immediately and so obviously in future. Oh, I uh, doubt it. I doubt that very much. It'll certainly make minority parties, small parties, pause, but I don't think it's going to have any effect on the general malaise of. I think well, it did have an effect already. I think that's why the parties were promising so little. Really, I mean, that's why those uh, stone inscriptions were so banal because they've decided just not to right. promise anything effectively um however it is becoming clear what's going to happen now that as the tories are gleefully saying their gloves have come off um, um may instantly leaping onto her super's yeah. charter now Oof. what's interesting about this is another little thing which i don't know if you thought about i think i texted you about it earlier and this is the most worrying thing of this whole win the Conservatives tried during the last Parliament while they were in coalition to get boundary changes through, which effectively would have gerrymandered yes. them into power for generations to come. The Liberal Democrats were going to agree to that. <laughs> however, however, because um, of various other negotiations that went wrong, including to do with the Lords and so forth, that all fell apart. And in a fit of pique, the Liberal Democrats said, fine, we won't support your boundary changes then. <laughs> Now that the gloves are off, the boundary yeah. changes will happen and any other part com combine what's happened with the SNP with boundary changes in the South. And it's going to be very difficult for any uh, English based U or, or, or UK left, even UK based leftist party to uh, win ever again. Well, not ever again, but for, for generations to come until there's a political cataclysm of some sort. So there we are. That's not something that I think a lot of people discussed before, but I think more people are going to start discussing it now because they're in a position to keep themselves in power now. Make no mistake about but that. You, it's true to an extent. However, if this is a repeat of 92, and all signs say that it could be, they could just spectacularly collapse and no matter how ridiculous their boundaries still get trounced. I don't know why they would do that. They are going to be given everything they want. Who? I'm the, about the Tories, not the, yeah, not the no, snips. Yeah, the mad Tory backbenchers will be given everything they want. Why should they collapse? Well, no, because their, minor their majority is, is so minuscule that it only takes two of the old codgers to be ill or something, and then they can't get a vote through. So yeah. they're going to have that, mon that misery that Major had, and indeed, um, oh, um, Thingy in the 70s had. Mm-hmm. Heath. Desperately, Heath, trying desperately trying to get everyone to turn up for votes just to scrape past, scrape his government through. They're in that situation. Cameron will go down as the prime minister that lost Scotland, mm. which won't look good on his. Record. I don't think he gives a toss that much, really. Well, no, but I think in the end, if if Britain does snap in two, there will mm -hmm. be resentment from those who care. Also, there is also, a and I think 2017 Cameron is so utterly desperate not to leave Europe because he actually has a couple of brain cells. Yeah, actually, no, that that, that, yeah. the, that could cause a schism in the party. Uh, on the other hand, actually, no, you want, you want some good news? You want Go some on. good news for that? Why is it good that the Tories won? Here's one, he has one good you, reason. I said to you earlier, the reason it's good that they got a majority is it prevents an allegiance with UKIP. Yeah, 
and and, and, and the Ulster uh, Unionists. Uh, uh, and so this, uh, MDD, DU, sorry, the DUP. Yeah. Um, here yes. is here's another interesting reason, which actually David Aronovich posted um, in in an article of his earlier this week, and that is, let's imagine that the Labour Party won on a slim majority, mm-hmm. and they refused, as they said they would, they refused to have an EU referendum. Mm-hmm. The Tories would have become more and more rabid because those Tories who have won are increasingly mad Euroskeptics. if you actually look at the people who have come yes. in in the constituencies. And would, that issue would have festered for five years at least. And UKIP, it, would have, but UKIP would be martyred by that as well. Yeah, exactly. And UKIP would, look, they're preventing us from doing it, blah, blah, blah. It would have, there would have been a massive head of steam. And then in five years' time, a... A, a leader of the Tory party would have emerged from that cesspit who would yeah. have actually proposed and agreed to an exit. And, at, and they would have argued for it and they could have gotten it through in five years' time. Um, now we've got a Tory MP who is going to argue against an exit and the mm-hmm. polls actually show that the status quo don't want an exit. Really? I, I, I didn't yes. know that. I'm very yes. surprised. Yes. Uh, and it's, and it's actually, the gap is increasing. And it's not, it's not, it's almost as much as the SN, the S, the, the SNP's UK, um, referendum gap. It's, it's not a tiny gap. So. But that is if, pre-campaigning. If yeah. If the, it, yeah, but people tend towards the status quo anyway. People get know, worried about changing. Look at AV, look, look at, look at Scotland. And you're going to have Mr. Tory chubby face, whom everybody apparently now loves. Uh, Which one's this? Um, your Cameron proposing, oh, sorry, right. proposing, Cameron. proposing that we remain in and saying, if you vote yes, I'll make sure that we remain in our own terms and I'll still kick the, uh, foreigners in their bollocks and that kind of thing. He will win, and that will be that issue, that lance, bo- that boil lanced for for a generation or so. So that's that's at least something. True. I apologise for my being slow on the upkeep. Mm. I uh, I went to bed at six thirty, got up about eight eight forty five. So Good. It's been well, a bit of a long one. Now, a chap called Richard Blogger, who um, occasionally writes for Liberal Conspiracy and writes an NHS blog. Uh, he was tweeting and somebody retweeted it and he said, uh, I think I'll read them out. We can discuss each of these things. He says, here are the things that Cameron will preside over in the next five years. These are based on promises that Cameron has made and uh, likely follow throughs he's going to take. Um, so, number one, destruction of housing associations. Remember when he promised that? Mm-hmm. Um, right to buy from housing, housing associations will mean they won't build and their housing stock will diminish. I mean, that's obvious. And that's a promise. That's, that, that's not a, that's not a bug for Tories. That's a feature. (laughs) And, and what was very interesting is they're beginning to be quite open about how this is, um, a bit of a vote rigging thing. For example, in my, where my parents are in their ward, uh, they have a, a Tory councillor who was boasting that the, um, the fact that uh, council tenants were basically leaving or being pushed out or being compulsorily purchased and then they were luxury flats were being built in their place was good because they'd be replaced by good quality middle class working people Absolutely. who are naturally who are naturally Tory voters. <laughs> and this is what the Tory councillor himself said. So it wasn't a it's not a kind of conspiracy theory. He was very pleased with this <laughs> with the strategy. So destruction of housing associations is going to be interesting because they were the last vestige of social housing in this country what's going to happen next i don't know um a return to those weird cramped bed and breakfasts the the the, the boarding house or mass homelessness i don't mass know Mass homelessness seems most realistic i remember the early 90s i do as well when the tories were last in the ascendant and oh. it was it was almost as bad as san francisco then it was, yeah, yeah I, I remember what it was like. I remember I had... We forget, people, people forget that, don't they? Oh, Just yes. how depraved it was under the last powerful conservative government. So I was, I was 15 in 92 when Major came in. And that was a, the first election I paid attention to. Hmm. As a, you know, because obviously at 10, I didn't really care. Um, I say, I'm sure you would have, but uh, not me. I did. Um, and... Well, in South Africa, you had to care anyway. Obviously. That's true. Well, I live through this election. State of emergency, even if you're 10, you kind of know something's <laughs> going on. 
Um, so, and I, so I, I, that was, that was kind of like, I was politicized to, uh, in a very naive and immature way at that point. Yes. Um, but because, but I remember, I remember I lived in Guildford, middle, middle class Guildford and, uh, it was just homeless people, uh, which isn't the case in Guildford anymore, everywhere sleeping on the streets and, um, the levelers and anti-fox hunting campaigners on the streets. And it was just this very bizarre, um, uprising of disenfranchised homeless people fighting back well the fighting back is probably what scared the uh powers that be i should think so because and i suspect that there was a two there was a two-pronged reaction one of the reactions was a positive one and that they tried to actually say let's actually deal with this uh to and to a degree they did but it was actually the the labor party afterwards which largely dealt with that but more importantly they started introducing all this anti-social behaviour legislation, mm-hmm. the, uh, the the various anti-rave acts and things like that. I was going me. to say, do you remember in 1993 when they banned raves? And yeah, we discussed it. it. Yeah. Oh, which we includes, have, have we? Which includes, <laughs> which includes ch- basically church choir performances. Morris dancing, uh, yes. marching bands, the lot, all were outlawed. Yeah, that, and that was and that was all part of it. That was all part yes, of it. Yes, absolutely. It was that was my kind of awakening to there being a political world, I suppose. Yeah. So what I'm hopeful for is that I think if you've been a teenager through the early 2000s, mm-hmm. you haven't had a time of prosperity. The Iraq war was probably the only thing that politicised people. And unfortunately, people got sucked into a lot of uh, agendas they weren't aware of. Yeah, but that's, that itself is very telling. Of the how luxurious the times were. Exactly. And I, I had a friend who said, you know, one day you're going to think back to the time of Tony Blair in Britain as a kind of golden age. I said, yeah, right. And, but it's basically correct. Um, and it, what's interesting is that, um, if we, if we think back to, the, as we discussed last time, some of the things that were achieved during that time, there were some quite significant achievements and the country did change to a degree where one could be worried about, more worried about foreign escapades than anything domestically that was happening. Mm. And, I think we're going to revert very quickly. People really need to think back, if they have a memory of it, of quite how divisive and how bitter and how nasty the atmosphere of Britain was when the Tories were last in substantial power. Everything from the miners' strike to the poll tax riots, there was an extraordinary amount of bitterness, which was never attempted properly to be diffused by the Tory party because it was a very, it was useful for them. And I know Mark, I know Mark Steele is a simpering idiot. He is. Yes. But his book reasons to be cheerful documents that time really quite well. Cause he was at the front of all those riots. Yeah. And he actually, it's, it's quite an interesting perspective on that time. Cause yes, it, it's someone writing from an anti-police, anti-authority perspective on that. It's quite an interesting book on that subject. Although I'm not a, I certainly wouldn't advocate anything he's written in the last decade. No, of course. So that, that's number one, destruction of housing associations. Number two, the non-voting underclass will increase. A jaded press will no longer report people dying from DWP sanctions, so they won't have happened. Wow. And I think that's probably accurate. I think the press are going to start ignoring those people from now on. And I well, think... they haven't exactly been paying a huge amount of attention up to this point. I think maybe The Guardian and The Independent that was. Remember mm. The Independent before that newspaper was completely before it stopped being independent yes disemboweled itself in the last yes yes quite oh i hope i hope that paper dies now well it it it, it's basically its readers are a rounding error on zero so it's very very likely that it will um non-voting underclass will increase well i yes i think after what happened you see there's been a double blow to that there was first the clegg betrayal and then there was this betrayal where people like Yanucci and, and, and various others were coming out saying, come on, youth, vote, you will make a big difference. And actually the youth, uh, the youth turnout was slightly bigger this time mm. and didn't help. Um, someone texted, someone tweeted me in the early hours of this morning saying, this is my first election. How do you, how do you stay, how do you keep caring after this, after what I've just been through? How do I care about this? And my answer was be political between elections. I think Well, yes, way. exactly. But, but yes, yeah, so you're right. I think well, 2020 is going to be interesting. It will it will the consequence be uh, apathy in the young vote, or will it be, as I suspect, a 
this current crop of teenagers will go through what we went through in the early 90s and they will be at a, a, a voting age by 2020 and ready to fight. No, maybe 2025 or 2030. Remember how many... Uh, remember how long it had to be before Thatcher was completely wrung out? Just the 19 years, I believe. And even then, Major got to go. They'll just get someone who's a little, who looks a little nicer to ring out another four or five years. That's the problem. <laughs> Number three. The BBC, who effectively delivered this majority, will be rewarded, in quote marks, by being privatised. I think that's very clear. There are a lot of Tories who have been talking about that. And what do the, you mean delivered the majority? Um, I think that uh, a lot of people are suggesting that the bigging up, the BBC's bigging up of, of UKIP and SNP and so on has achieved this. Oh, okay. not, well, I don't necessarily UKIP, agree with yes. that. Yes, no, not the SNP. They've, they've been virulently anti-SNP. Nah, not they, really. They have, I mean, You're listening well, too much paying, to your reverence. No, friend. no, I've been paying attention. And then mm. the, the UKIP, without doubt, they've certainly, they created UKIP. UKIP is their monster. Yeah, I mean, you, you said so a few years ago. You said, what are they, what's their game with UKIP? I think they've just found them entertaining and then realised that. Whoops. Well, yes, uh, indeed, and and you and and of course, and what no one was expecting. I don't think anyone predicted was that UKIP would take Labour votes last night. I don't think anyone no. made that call. Twenty twenty and, and twenty seventeen eighteen, the BBC's Royal Charter comes up for negotiation, bang in the middle of Parliament, and the Tories have already basically said what they're going to do. So yeah, that'll be gone. Oh but, gosh, I don't want my son to grow up without a BBC. Yeah. Four. Now this is an interesting point. Uh, I don't know whether I agree with it or not. Four. The union will break up. Cameron feels he owes Scotland nothing, even though the SNP returned him to number 10. He won't fight for the union. What do you think? I, I don't necessarily... I mean, I, I think he won't be asked for the union. I mean, he's got, he's yes. got no nothing of interest in Scotland, has he? Well, exactly. he's got a, a, an MP in Scotland. But he's... Uh, yeah, I mean, every, it seems unlikely. You can't have 50... What was it? I didn't see the end. 55 or 56? Something like that. See, the SNP, you can't have that and... I mean, the situation is so ludicrous that Scotland has out overwhelmingly voted for one particular party that has literally no power in Westminster. It's, it's, it's so ridiculous. <laughs> As, whatever your feelings about the SNP, the, democra the democratic nonsense of that is, is going to make Scotland... But Scotland just, just voted to remain in the... Uh, I, absolutely, Kingdom. and the, the contradiction of this is peculiar. So Scotland... Edinburgh voting SNP, but... Yeah, so Scotland voted to remain in the United Kingdom and then effectively voted to ensure that that United Kingdom of which they are part would be Tory. Was, Very interesting. Well, they didn't, did they? They voted in their own they interests. Mm, no, they voted not in their own quite. interests and the consequence of that... No, but everybody was warning them. I mean, it, it was obvious that was going to happen, so and it did. Five. It was, it was certainly obvious that it would massively weaken Labour's chances if mm. it, all those Labour seats were to fall. Um, there's no doubt about that. And yes, there is a horrendous irony about Scotland having voted. Although, if you, if all those seats went Labour, Cameron would still be in power today. So, not necessarily. End, it not necessarily. Yes, necessarily. No, because they could have. That would a, a coalition would have then been possible. With the SNP. It, but yeah, but Cameron would still have had enough, it still have had enough of a lead to form a government. That's not the point. Not necessarily. It yes, because it didn't make any difference. There was one Tory seat in Scotland and there's one Tory seat in Scotland. It didn't change their numbers. So their numbers would still be an, a, a majority. So it, would, it, doesn't, it doesn't actually make a difference. The fact that it doesn't make a difference is blind luck on Scotland's part. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's. I understand why. I mean, I thought I would have voted for SNP if I were in Scotland at this point. They're a left-wing party offering left-wing. Well, they're policies. not really left-wing I mean, party. Of course, they're I would have voted for. They're them a party. They're, they're a party that's in alliance with uh, Rupert Murdoch. Don't be too sure about. I how know. They're I'm aware of that. But if I, well, if I were given the choice of everyone I could choose to vote for in Scotland, SNP would be the logical choice for someone who wishes to have liberal um, and progressive policies. Nationalism isn't a progressive policy, but it's it's a it's a regressive policy. I agree. I mean, you know, point. you know, I agree with that. But yeah, but we can't just keep slip sliding away from that. It's like saying, okay, he was a really good teacher, but you know, he did fiddle with kiddies while he was in the classroom. That little point, you can't just let slip slide away. When your base, 
when your base reason for existence is regressive, you can't then go around calling yourself um, progressive just because you're making the trains run on time and are giving free, free prescriptions. It, it, for me, it doesn't work. And I understand but you, ha- why you it have does. to accept it. it is a different form of nationalism to that of, say, the BNP. You have to accept that it's a nationalism that welcomes outsiders in. For some. For some, it certainly doesn't. There are plenty of Scots who are very chauvinistic. Oh, sure there are, but there are plenty of everyone who are assholes. But the power, the, the political position... Okay, is... and for, for the moment, for the moment, that is what that nationalism is. It's not, how it, it's not what the BNP started as. It was a very race-based nationalist organisation and then adapted to change with the times. Now, your argument would be, okay, I think that ad- adaptation is permanent. They, they've seen the error of their ways and they've, they've forged a new form of less destructive nationalism. Or you could say, this is the mode they're currently in at the moment, and when they wish or need to flip, they'll flip. You said BNP at the start of this, I assume you mean SNP. But, yes, and that um, was genuinely a, a slip of the time, wasn't I wasn't <laughs> trying to be arch, because I don't actually see the great difference between them. I can quite easily have seen the BNP become a, a quote, progressive, quote, party. And in certain ways, they were. They were they had great policies on the National Health Service, despite the fact that their policies would have destroyed it by not allowing most of the workers in it to work there. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, it's that kind of thing. And you, so you, you, you need to be careful. I can see that in bad times, the SNP could become a very oppressive party. Um, in uh, I, If the economy started doing very badly... Uh, or if the if resources were massively depleted, I think you'd find their progressiveness would be severely tested. But I mean, I hope I hope I'm wrong, but exactly, that's what I believe. That's, that's heavy speculation, but well, it's going to have it's not that heavy a speculation. If the next five years go the way I think they might, we'll see. I don't I think see. Scotland's going to do that well. What do you think Cameron's going to give them? He doesn't need to give them anything now, does he? Yes, but he's no. What he's going, he's going to do. There's, there'll be some sort of. He has to do some sort of devolution of powers because of the Duda agreement. So there's going to be to something going their way. Uh, he'll he'll throw them a sob. I don't think he gives a toss at the moment. I think he'll say, "Bored now. Don't want to speak to you. I'm the winner. I'm the winner." Na, 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 na. They were saying on the BBC this morning that the fiscal autonomy is a bit of a backhanded gift because apparently that would put Scotland in more debt rather than. Yes, it would, by definition it would, because, yeah. you know, you're adults and you suddenly have to pay your own rent and uh, so forth. Yeah. Um, number five, I don't think I care about. Wales will suffer terribly. How will Wales suffer terribly? Tory manifesto had nothing for Wales. <laughs> don't care. <laughs> well, it's just a county of England, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so? exactly. Let's be honest with a funny, yeah. funny, funny accent. Six, tax. This is this is the one that I most worries me, and it's a it's related to a previous point, and I think this is very true, and it's obviously their ideology. Taxpayer-funded public services will slowly become paid-for services. BBC will be subscription, toll roads, NHS charges. I think that's very true. The notion of amortizing costs across a whole society uh, and not nickel-and-diming individuals at the point of delivery is massively unpopular with the current uh, bean-counting conservative mindset. And so I think all that sort of thing will continue to come to pass. But the, the, if that comes to pass, you have this this situation of of the poorest people will be dying outside hospital doors. No, well, no, the same, it'll be the same situation that happens in the United States. Um, Poor and this people is where, dying outside of hospital doors. This is point seven. The NHS will become, quote, mutualised. Patients will feel like they are being treated by a charity. The, the social revolution will finally go. So uh, I think that that's probably right. I think the NHS will become increasingly a pauper's service. Okay. I think we'll possibly, uh, we'll get things like, uh, it, it, it's, it'll happen something like this. We love the NHS, but the NHS... If you, uh, well, let, let me rewind a bit and see how it's been done in other arguments. And it's a very dangerous argument that the Labour Party are playing with, and I'm very annoyed with them for doing it. Um, when they argued against winter fuel allowances, when they argued for tu- student tuition fees, the argument always went like this. We'll protect the poorest, but why should we subsidise these rich feather bedders with the uh, same service? They should pay their way. And obviously, we will help those who really need help. And that sounds great. Yes, only help those really need help. Target those who need the help. We don't want to pay these rich pensioners for their uh, winter heating bills. But then you 
are chipping away at the very notion of universality. Mm -hmm. Then somebody says, it's about time these rich bastards and these rich foreigners stop taking our NHS for a ride. The NHS should be there for those who truly need it. And those who can afford otherwise should pay their way. That makes sense, yes. And I think that's uh, and that's exactly the argument that's been used for so many different services where people have argued against universality from child child benefit upwards. It's been uh, that's been the fashionable argument and the idiot electorate like the sound of that argument because it sounds fair and it sounds progressive. Even it sounds like, yes, we aren't going to be giving those rich bastards uh, anything more than they need. But actually what that's doing is it's creating a two tier society. So then the NHS becomes the pauper service. Everybody else might even be given special vouchers, healthcare vouchers, you know, spend them where you want to. You can spend them at the NHS if you want. Or why not uh, see see where they take you? We're going to give you so much choice. We're going to open up choice for you. It's going to be very good. And and the NH NHS will be this mutualized little uh, protective rump like a charity. What's the um, consequence of that? Where does, where does that end? I think that ends similarly uh, as to certain uh, public hospitals in America, the ones that w will treat the homeless people and that they're, they're treated as these weird kind of uh, uh, charitable uh, outrumps. But the actual uh, very uh, significant treatments and so forth won't happen there. So, so I wonder whether you have a dentistry model. So, for instance, I, if yeah. You if you go to the dentist and you need a crown, the dentist will say, well, I can do you a crown, but I can't justify it on the NHS because they're told yes. that you're not allowed. To, yes. If there is a cheaper option, you can't do the more expensive option. So yes. I, remember I when the NHS, the, I can when the NHS turf, but or yeah. I can charge yes. you a thousand pounds for a crown. When the NHS was formed, it included dentistry. Yeah, of course. And there was no differentiation. You went to the yeah. dentist and you did what was needed. Now, of course, you're not going to get that at a dentist. My what? dad retired uh, a month ago. Yes. having spent 40-something years being a dentist mm. and defiantly remained NHS to the end, of, for which I'm just uh, so immensely proud of him. Mm. Um, I, all, I did, I, I must admit, I encouraged him in the last couple of years to just start, just to just do everything private, just fill your pockets. Mm. You've, you've, done, you've done your NHS service for 40 years. Just, you've got a year to go, fill your pockets before you run, but he wouldn't. He was, he was defiant to the end. And remained mm. NHS, but was marginalised and marginalised and marginalised and forced and forced and forced. And he was struggling to find ways that he could eke proper treatments for people who couldn't afford to pay and just doing everything he could. And he's that's gone now because new dentists coming into the into the service don't have that mindset because they have no foundation for it. OK, so and you're asking where is this? You said my dad yeah. was being penalised. He was having money take his pay taken back at the end of every year by the NHS for failing to meet stupid quotas. Well, where were you asked? Where would, where will this all go? There you go. There you go. That makes sense. So yes, we can, we can cure the cancer in your leg for £10,000 or on the NHS, we can remove the leg for free. We can remove the leg uh, or we can give you, um, you know, some, uh, we will make you comfortable for your last <laughs> there you go yes a few months well pop a proper puff a pillow up behind your head you can have some morphine that's fine morphine's quite cheap it's off patent <laughs> and uh, uh, yes off patent you see uh, yeah and we sleepwalked into yes uh, that sort of uh density nhs nobody ever voted for that nobody was ever polled for that nobody ever asked for that nobody wanted that that was a Just... policy i believe of a young uh, Mrs. Margaret Thatcher. Yes, it just happened. I, I was reading stuff uh, original uh, the, the, when the NHS was formed and these pamphlets that were given to people and they said all your health and dentistry needs provided. That was the end of it. There was no mm. ambiguity. But I remember that in the early 80s, of course. Dentistry yes. was free, of course. And mm. then, yeah, Thatcher broke it down and it, to be fair, Blair continued, uh, he oh, continued yeah. to horrendously damage dentistry. Yeah, they all did. And that's the model for the modern NHS, yeah, that I think. Make, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. That's, that's miserable beyond belief. But it's so likely. Eight, deserving... How many of these are there? Not that many. Eight, deserving <laughs> and undeserving. The poor, patients, elderly will be divided, half demonised, other half patronised. Right. That's an interesting point. I think the demonised, patronised bit is, the, is quite interesting. Because there is the patronising side of things, the patrician Tories will say, "Oh, look at those! Look, those are the those are the uh, the the good 
the good old people versus the bad old people, the good patients versus the bad patients, the good poor versus the bad poor. It's a very Victorian notion, and I think we're going to return more to that. And every time somebody talks about work, work, hardworking families, I, I hear that moralizing nonsense reverberate in my ears. Mm-hmm. Mm. I someone, think that's... someone tweeted me. Someone tweeted me. It's just lame. Like, uh, so you only, only democracy is only right when it's in your favor, is it? After I said how sad I was about yes. the result. It's like, uh, yes. No. Yes, I'll just say yes. She just said yes. It is yes, and that's why. I, that's why I'm going. I, I, I'm going to launch a coup and become a dictator. <laughs> but I said no. Obviously, I'm just. Dis- I'm just horrendous, horrifically disappointed by the democratic will of the people of this country. Some person I've never heard of just replies saying, "Oh, how patronising! Jesus Christ, how patronising!" She said, "It's not patronising." Say, I, I know. I hate, so I just, I, I hate I replied, most of the people in this country. That's not patronising. Patronising. I replied with a link to the dictionary definition for patronising, which caused her all her brain wires to fuse. <laughs> it's not patronizing at all if you're saying I-, I treat these all as autonomous individuals and i can't stand them <laughs> i mean that's just it's yeah. just it's very frustrating anyway yeah. yes oh it's been so um last oh week, the new on. anti-union law in other terms new anti-union laws cameron will try to finish off all unions yes and he'll sure. try but i don't think he'll succeed in that i one. know he will he'll demean the their their power certainly yeah Although and the final I see, ITV the f- is about to strike so that's fun <laughs> who cares and then the final one is uh ttip which is the uh the the tra- i what it stands for the trans specific you know that big the big secret trading agreement which basically gives sovereignty over most countries to transnational corporations remember that okay. one no i didn't it know is, about that it's bad enough privatizing public services to british companies but sooner it will be u.s companies with legal impunity that's right so there you go so that's that's probably what and add to that all the fun with about Europe, the promises, but reason may to get rid of most of the yes. Human Rights Act. Oh, privacy, the Human Rights Act, of course, yes. All of that. <sighs> you know, what would be quite funny if Cameron just trolled May by not putting her in the cabinet. That would be good. No, he needs all the ladies he can have. So last week we I correctly announced that obviously Nick Clegg wouldn't have a job come Friday morning. Is that your telephone doing that? No, it's yours. No, it's not. Uh, yes. Correctly predicted that Nick Clegg would not have a job on Friday morning, and mm-hmm. um, so well he died. He's still an MP, obviously, but I, as I predicted, he would not be the leader of the Liberal Democrats. Indeed. Um, so I was right about that. Uh, did not predict Miliband though. <laughs> that wasn't on my radar. No, certainly not within the first week. I thought Miliband might eventually have to shuffle away as part of some agreement oh, of course, or whatever yes, happened. Just but... be quietly replaced by someone with more prospects. But yes. to have to resign, to have a result so terrible. And Farage, so all three. Yeah, three resignation, three party leaders resign in one day. It's just a phenomenal result. And Cameron, of course, won't be prime minister in five years' time. He's planning to resign as well. Is he now? So in five yeah. years' time, a clean sweep of political party <laughs> leaders. Yes, it was interesting to see the number of people who were kicked out from the Liberals, like... Um, Danny Alexander, well, uh, Vince, Cable. Vince Cable. Uh, yeah, it was extraordinary. Ed Balls. That Ed one. Balls. I didn't see that one coming. It was just an odd... I did, I, it's just a very strange one. Yeah. Very odd. And somebody pointed out, he was quietly confident that by hook or by crook, you know, yesterday he was probably quietly confident that by hook or by crook, for the next five years, he would be the Chancellor. And instead, he's unemployed. <laughs> like that. Click. I loved Dimbleby was awful. Just awful all night long. But... S- senile? Not senile, just, but just too too slow to cope. The, oh. the, who, who, the, I hope that a number of BBC sound engineers are also looking for new jobs this morning. Why's um, that? I don't think there was a single live link that worked at, <laughs> from the start. I don't think at any point anyone speaking had the first two words of their sentence heard throughout the night. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an absolute disaster as a, in terms of, a, of a, a live broadcast. It was The sound was constantly useless. Disaster pants. Really, really terrible. But Dimbleby couldn't keep up with the pace of change. And he would just do things that didn't make any sense. Like he would be, okay, so we're, we're going live over now to this result from this constituency. And, that, and then just talk, start talking over the reading out of the results. <laughs> and it was like stuff like that. It's just, just weird. How old is he now? 116. 
Yeah, well, to be fair, you know, if you're 116, that's probably what happens, isn't it? No, that's that's fair, but he just is is isn't capable of doing the job. However, he did have a couple of lovely moments during the night. Uh, one mm-hmm. when talking to Boris Johnson after he won his obviously easy seat. Yes, uh, Johnson came on to the camera and Dimbleby looked at him, and before he asked the question, he said, "Oh, so very there you are with your ruffled hair, which you clearly did just before did, did yourself before coming on camera for us." It's just like he's just got because he'd seen Johnson like five minutes earlier winning with his hair nice and neat, and then suddenly yes. it's parted in the other direction and sticking. And I like that. I like that he just went, you, "You're a fake." Let's yes. then start asking him questions. Those who think that Johnson, I mean, Johnson is an extraordinary politician, and he'll do extraordinary well for himself. But anybody who can't see through it, I, I have oh. such contempt for. for mm-hmm. They can't see through the shtick. And look, it's a very good shtick. It's like a good sitcom, you know. But a good, a well-written sitcom that nevertheless is unfunny. And I think it's that kind of thing. And yeah, I I think Johnson's probably going to be bloody annoyed about what happened today, to be honest. Yes, I imagine so. Bloody annoyed. I think he was secretly thinking this is going to be my moment to rebuild the Tories. He's got no, to now he's got to serve another year as a mayor. He's also got to be an MP for an area he doesn't care about. And worse, it's worse. Sorry, it's worse than that. I think that David Cameron's going to be really nasty and give him a little position. Do you think? I think he'll give him a little a little position, which will force him to tow the tow the Transport tow the cabinet secretary. line. So he can sort out his his high HT H high speed two. Oh yes. Well, I, I I'm so depressed. That was the only thing I was hoping that they pushed through, and I think they'll even cock that one up. You know, there's so many NIMBY Tories who don't want that, and now the NIMBY Tories are going to be so in command that yeah, I doubt we're going to see that. I'm so tired, I've forgotten all the other Dimbleby moments, but there was a great moment where they were coming back from the news bulletin and he came mm-hmm. back to the studio and he went, Mep! <laughs> Out of nowhere. And Why then did they he cut do that? His mic, and then he went, Oh, for God's sake! <laughs> oh, dear. This has so got, this, good is, bit. this has got to be his last election. I, well, I'd, I'd be very surprised if, in five years' time, I'd be very surprised if he were able to do it. Let's find out how old he really is, shall we? He must be in his late 60s. If only his brother now. weren't somehow contracted to only have his face be on ITV. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'd be surprised if he weren't in his late 70s. Yes, yeah, 76. 76. So, yeah, he'll be 81 next election. 81, yeah. Which is happen. possible. It's uh, very unlikely. But uh, I would imagine, yes. Uh, there was a mm. the women's hour this morning was discussing the lack of women in the presentation of the uh, of the of the politi- of the uh, on, of all the different channels. Well, sorry, uh, was this to do with the presentation of politics or baking? <laughs> I so, think they were confused. Oh, women's hour. So they had. That's so they Patrick were saying Larson. how the BBC was Dimbleby and Andrew Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, was I thinking? Well, no, it was Dimbleby was the main was the main anchor, yes, but there was Andrew Neil alongside three other women and two other men. Yes, exactly. No, they're, they're, this is just women's hour looking for nonsense. But, they, so, for example, but the best bit was when so when they then get round to talking about I forget her name, but the lady who was doing the touching on the screen stuff. I don't ever watch BBC News, so I have no idea who any of the presenters are. Yeah, um, I only listen to Radio Four, so I know the yeah, radio wants to turn up on that. Um, and so she's t- the one who does all the touchy screen stuff. They were saying they get to her, and so they they, they finally acknowledge that she existed, and the way it's introduced is by saying forgetting the gender matter for a moment. <laughs> Yes. It was no, brilliant. It's like, well, ignoring our entire point. <laughs> brilliant. Um, and then, uh, excellent. Jenny, did... Jenny, and... Jenny, listen, Jenny Murray uh, yes. was interviewing, um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Who's the other presenter of Women's Hour? Jane Garvey. She was interviewing Jane Garvey about, because Garvey had been at one of the counts, about Mm -hmm. the count and how it had gone. And at the end, Murray forgot herself and and signed off uh, Garvey as if she were a guest on the show, forgetting (laughs) it was her co-anchor. So that was quite fun (laughs) as well. Well, uh, Andrew Neil did one good thing this morning, at least. He he did present um, Paddy Ashton with a hat. Did he did? And asked that he perhaps should eat it then and there. And of course, Paddy said, oh, you're so predictable. And obviously didn't want this to happen. (laughs) Because, of course, Mr. Ashdown said he would eat a hat if I, that... Uh, Only if it, it were made of marzipan, he said, like this world's most awful uncle. Uh, he is the world's most awful uncle. Paddy Pants so, Down, that's what I call him, because I'm the new Rory ha- Bremner. He doesn't have a party to be around anymore, poor this chap. That's true. Hmm. And, I, I, and let's just, I know I, I touched on this already, but let's just once again celebrate how right we were last week by our disgust that Clegg was given half an hour on yeah. BBC Question Time. 
and utter irrelevance to this election could not have been more right about that. Yes, exactly. And I was listening to him a couple of days ago on the radio being interviewed, and I think he genuinely thought, he genuinely believed yes. in himself. I don't even think this was bluster. I think he, he thought genuinely he was going believed. to be the kingmaker again. He was sure. Yes, and at the beginning was. of the night, when that exit poll came out and predicted the 10 seats, mm. they were absolutely furious. I'm saying this is ridiculous. Yes. The YouGov poll had predicted them 30. That was mm. obviously high, too high. But they were thinking, you know, we're going to get enough. We're going to be significant at the end of this election. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to make it all happen. They knew that was going to be the case. There was no yeah. sense. They had no sense that, that this was set in stone from three days after the last election everyone everyone who voted liberal democrat went i got the conservatives because i voted liberal democrat i'll never do that again no but what was quite funny is a uh, uh, i think a, a day before maybe it was two days before somebody else was being interviewed from the liberal democrats and they were saying look um obviously there's going to be a change and uh the, the liberal democrats may contract a bit but you know, big hitters like vince cable are still going to have yes. a, make sense in politics and, and of course not only wasn't he, he he lost his seat and nobody would have predicted that in that party they were so deluded he looked so shocked he was shocked was he, he was, very... was he the one who was beaten by the, the conservative doc the medic I'm not sure who, who stood would... there shaking when she won because she didn't I think, understand I think what so. was happening. It wasn't supposed to happen, yeah. <laughs> no. And she won by like a million votes. It was a, I believe yeah. it was a million votes. Yes, swing. it was. And four hundred percent swing to her. The only good news story, of course, George Galloway. Oh, I so okay, so here's what happened. At three thirty in the morning, three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, I'm on the sofa, I've been awake all night, I'm thinking I'm going to say it's, it's just so horrendous. I'm going to be, going to sleep now, but I'll, ju- I'll hang on. They're saying that the the Farage thing will be announced at four and that Galloway should have been at yeah. three. I'll stay awake for those results. End up going to bed at sp- about 6.45. Yes. Still neither has been announced. And then mm. I'm sat there refreshing and refreshing Bradford West when I wake up. And eventually, finally, it comes up that he's lost. Oh, he was furious. Oh, and then whose fault is it that the Muslim lady got in? The Jews. The Jews. You know all those Jews always voting the Muslims in. <laughs> yes, the 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 the, the Muslim Pakistani lady uh, who whom you he he was so vile to her. Let's just the, remember uh, what he did. This woman was for in, was forced into an abusive marriage, aged fifteen. With yes. an obvious... No, no, yes, yes, it was it, it was originally, yeah, She they started at 14, then she was 15, that's right, yeah. No, I thought it was, no, she said 15 and he found a marriage... No, she, I think she was, I, I think they'd, they'd uh, basically, she actually officially got married at 15, but I think the abuse actually started before then as oh, okay. well, which was the and original he, And he dispute. found a marriage certificate that said 16, of course the marriage certificate said 16, of course Duh. it did. Yeah, Duh. And he it, it didn't there. say, it didn't say criminal on it, did it? As if... As if as if it made a difference, as if it was a valid method. I mean, it's just, it's so John, wrong. you're not, you're not going to, I uh, wasn't ask permission for every new insertion, does one, John, to, to coin a phrase. Oh. Do you remember oh. him when he said that? Oh, I do. And he advocated rape. Yes. And yet two, three years ago, the by-election, he, where apparently he was just thought to lose his deposit, then went and won. Yeah, I, maybe his corruption worked that time, and this time it didn't. Do you I think? S- do you think that was that was cheating? Yes, because I think what happened this time is that the, the problem with um, he's going to sue you now, obviously. Yeah, the Pakistani uh, society, even when it when it's immigrated, there, there is a lot of um, different tribes, uh, and there's a lot of tribal warfare in Pakistan, which people don't think of because they think oh they think of it as a kind of homogen, relatively homogenized Muslim society with maybe two schisms in it but no it's got hundreds of different tribal loyalties and different families and that kind of thing and that's transplanted here and the problem was i think that he took a particular subsection of a particular tribe's uh um loyalty for granted and the problem was of course that there were plenty of other people who were loyal to this woman and her allegiances and he and he he forgot himself. He started believing in his own omniscient and omnipotent press. And, of course, he was completely... He did. He, he, he was a little boy who didn't know what game he was playing in that particular subtle society. He was a typical interloper who mm. thought, that he, he thought that he was playing native. And he just missed the ball completely. Which is why he was so furious, because I think he thought, he thought, I've got them. I'm their, I'm their big white chief. And they said, don't get, don't get ahead of yourself. We're going to vote for one of ours. And they did. He's Galloway I find fascinating because if you look at some of the worst people on earth, some of the most despotic dictators 
they have they they are charming. Yes. There are reasons why they get into these positions of power. Galloway is a monster. And I don't he's use that word as a joke or as an exaggeration. No, no. He, he sounds and he looks and he acts like a like a actual monster. Well, in the uh, pantheon of monstrousness, people like him and Jimmy Savile, they, they, they'd be there. They, those are people who just so exemplified that which was in their soul it, that it, 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 there's no hiding it. And, and and obviously Galloway, there are these insane extremes. He was he was friends with Saddam Hussein. Oh yes, he not he someone saluted. who was politically cordial with. He was friends. He uh, uh, friends and was given lots of money by. Saluted his indefatigability, mind you. Gave money, not just associated with, but gave money. Photographed giving a big check to Hamas. So we're not talking about you know people who just okay I, I support your struggle no i'm going to give you money to buy more rockets it's that kind of level of um corruption and then he joined just to make things better he joined press tv which yes. is funded was funded by the iranian government to give their propaganda and then he joined russia today Russia today of course for, uh, were paid for by putin so there there is no evil person or no problematic uh despot yep. whom he doesn't uh, wish to felch but this is my point. He is, he's too, he's, he's unrealistically cartoon evil. He is. And then he goes around threatening every, threatening. Yeah, threatening um, people for retweeting. Yes. Or, or, or threatening, worse, threatening a brewery in his constituency oh. for asking whether he's still a thing. I hope everybody tweeted, uh, good to see that Galloway isn't still a thing. <laughs> well, he is, and, and of course, terribly terribly misogynistic um, well that's a, there's a tweet that got hundreds and probably now thousands of retweets about how what a disgusting misogynist he is and i thought if he's going to send his lawyers it's going to cost him a lot of money to send letters to every person who but he is that. if you look at the the number of the ways he's treated his various wives uh, some serial some parallel um that shouldn't have come as a surprise to anybody shall we say more more of quite how badly he treated them will come out after he's dead when libel doesn't work he's uh I should say, to stop us from getting sued, that you're completely wrong. And he's, he's a fine, a... upstanding citizen. Yes, a charming man. A char- he's not a monster. No, he's a delight. Except like a honey monster, a good monster. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the cookie monster, he's, the, he's basically the cookie. He's, 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 a, he's a muppet. He's the cookie monster, that's all. Shiniest. <laughs> <laughs> mm. So that's Gowie dead. And Farage is dead too. Hooray! Well, uh, Farage is interesting. He said, I promised that I would resign. Yeah, and I was going to restand. And I'm resigning and then I'll take the summer off and then afterwards I'll restand. <laughs> and let's it's be funny because he's, he's, did you see his, his, his concession speech? Or whatever you no, I it. didn't. No. He said, I only heard a clip of it on the radio this morning, but he said, oh, Vizzy, he went, oh, thank God. <laughs> He did. He said, this is a huge weight off my yes, shoulders. I couldn't be more pleased, he said. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, yes, exactly. I was like, surely, surely every UKIP voter hears the man say that and goes, what? what? Surely at that point they feel duped. There were three words that were told to every UKIP activist in this election. That was, get Nigel in. But uh, actually, no, maybe he was, you know, because remember, he had terrible problems with his back and so on. Yeah, yeah. So maybe the pain he felt with the back and having to go around, maybe he's just, he's had enough. I think that's what it sounds like. I mean, since God's last attempt to kill him didn't work. Yes. Get back in that light aircraft, yeah. damn you. Ooh, <laughs> Satan, so Satan, can't you get him to go? No, of course I won't get him to go because you know damn well that as soon that. as he, as soon as he dies, you'll send the bastard to me. <laughs> I'm not taking him off you. Have him, have him up there. He's immortal because go- no afterlife will have him. No, exactly. Uh, he'll just come up here and complain about the wrong sort of angels. <laughs> mm. God. So, how's married life treating you? Well, I better go and, and join in my married life. Mm. Looking forward to the resumption of fox hunting. <laughs> oh, God, that's true. That's going to happen, isn't it? It was a promise, yep. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, it's going to be... 
As someone said, now we get to find out just how much exactly the Lib Dems were holding the Tories. Oh, exactly. It's like a little scientific experiment. Yeah. That was, it didn't it's a, seem it's like control. they were, but let's find out. We can't we just you wait. Um, there could be a... No, let's think about it. Let's try and be a little hope, hopeful as we end. <laughs> okay. There is a scant but existent possibility that Cameron actually believed in his one nation toryism um we're we're all in it together big society stuff and it was knocked out of him by the fact that he wasn't an actual winner and he had to do too many compromises blah 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 now that he feels emboldened again maybe he will be able to reenact some of that is that possible no but on that positive note we're doomed. The next five years are going to be horrendous. And then come 2017, you might want to start looking at uh, immigrating to Norway. Emigrating, indeed, to Norway. I'm going to get a passport from Lithuania because I think I've got some ancient familial right to do that. And Lithuania's in the EU, so that'll be fine. Do you have any associations with any country you can link towards? Wales. My dad's Welsh. Yeah, the independent <laughs> republic of Wales. <laughs> no, I have... Uh, uh, Laura's had job offers in Norway, and I know enough people over there. I think Norway's... Uh, genu- I'm not, I'm, I know I sound like I'm being flippant. It's just genuinely on the table. Oh, why not? I'm not going to be one of these ridiculous people going, if this blah blah happens, then I'm moving away. No, I'm, but if it, it's genuinely no, I on the table. Well, also, uh, my, my brother-in-law lives in Norway, and he's getting married there, and he's... You know, he seems to be quite happy. Um, one thing, though, which you must realise, Norway is not in the European Union. Indeed. So that won't help you to travel around the Europe's. <laughs> but it it will also not impede my travelling around Europe. Hmm. Shall we say goodbye to all our lovely listeners? To all our lovely voter. Actually, I, what I, I since you you lot never really respond or correspond, could you uh, send a mail to podcast at rumdoings dot com just with your your ideas if we've missed out anything on what the Tories have promised or what we expect? Um, is there anything else that's hiding and lurking in the cracks that was in their manifesto or was mentioned offhand during the election? I'd be curious to know about them, and we'll uh, put a collation of them uh, in our next podcast. Oh, and we when should we say. Todd Foreman, the lovely Labour MP standing in North East Somerset, got 25% mm. of the vote and homophobic villain and cartoon monster Jacob Rees-Mogg got 50% of the vote. That's not very pleasant. So that's my constituency. Well done, everybody. Why would anybody vote for Mogg? Because, like I say, there's a lot of green fields around here. Bath went blue for the first time in a long, long time. Thanks, <sighs> thanks, Don Foster. Thanks, Don. Actually, the uh, well, we'll end with this. The, the we we discussed five years ago. You discussed Nick Clegg's choices that he had, and you said he can either destroy the Liberal Democrats or not. Yeah. And by by going into coalition with the Tories, and this was even before he'd broken his promise. I would like to point fees. out to everybody that I'm a very wise man. You should always listen to me. Yeah. But this is before he broken his promise about tuition fees. And mm. as David Steele said on the television today, um, it wasn't so much that people really cared about tuition fees. Most people hate students. What it was, was there, this man is a barefaced liar who will sell his birthright for a mess of pottage. We can't trust this man anymore. He burnt his his trust currency in one big flash at that point. So yeah, yeah you're right. He destroyed the Liberal Democrats as as air party you would ever want to trust your vote with. Um, so you're lying about the Liberal Democrats. Which, oh yes, um, my well, I I, I suddenly I suddenly just realised it because I, I'm going to America next uh, next week to Interalia uh, visit. Oh God, I hope it's supposed to be a surprise. I hope he's not listening to this. Well, don't oh, say then. You, you, you're too late um your and I was, friend uh, simon yeah and i was researching i was researching what vehicle to get so that we i could ferry everybody about for that week because i don't actually drive bizarrely for americans and i was finding that there are these seven and eight seater um, people movers and things like that uh and uh and one of them was called a toyota sienna which allows eight people in and i suddenly realized okay. the the whole lib dem parliamentary party could fit in a toyota sienna <laughs> And as someone <laughs> replied to that tweet, uh, the entire UKIP uh, politicians could ride on, could fit on a mo- on a bicycle. 
No, mind a bicycle. A unicycle. A unicycle around <laughs> Parliament shouting, shouting about uh, foreigners. So anyway, so, so I think the true evil of what the Liberal Democrats did is only revealed today. Um, in as much as his, his five years little adventure destroyed his party to the degree that the Tories were now able to come in and get their boundary changes. Right. So his little adventure, not only, not only did it destroy his own party, but by destroying his own party, he damaged the ecosystem so fundamentally that he's polluted politics for generations to come. Thanks, Thanks Obama. Nick. Mm. All right, then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.